the Canadian Military History Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lacroix. Music provided by the 48th Highlanders of Canada. Today's guest, Honorary Colonel Blake Goldring, MSM, LLD, CFA, Honorary Colonel of the Canadian Army. I actually asked as well, Highest Sir, if it happened to snow, how would you feel about it, period? And he said, well, what would the soldiers think? The soldiers would want to be on the field, sir, and they'd want to get their new colors. And he said, well, that's exactly where Camilla and I would want to be. And when we were threatened again with, hey, we're going to pull this event from you, I was able to say, I've actually spoken to the man directly, and he would be most upset if that were to happen because he's prepared to go and be there with us no matter what the weather. Welcome to the Canadian Military History Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lacroix. So it's been two weeks since I've posted up an episode. Like I said at the very beginning, life is going to get in the way, and that's exactly what happened. So like my boss says, Colonel Hobbs says, we're fighting a battle with the calendar right now, trying to find holes in any type of break. So what's happened in the last little while? Well, the last time I spoke to you, I was heading off to the Canadian Army Senior Leadership Symposium, hosted by the Army Commander. That was followed up with the Army Run. The week after that, I got away with my friends, Bruce Mayer and Dave Hensman. We went out canoeing and kayaking for a weekend. And with that, we got some vital practice in for our big trip, which next summer, summer 2015, we're going to do the circuit of the Manicougan Crater up in northern Quebec. So I'm really looking forward to this trip. I've been planning it for about three or four years right now, and I'm hoping to get it done next year. So that past weekend was essential in planning and preparation to get that trip done. Right now, I've managed to hide from my family and get some editing done on Thanksgiving weekend. So I'm looking after the dogs while everyone goes out to Chappelle Farms in Barrie, going out pumpkin picking and going out to pet the animals and all those things that go along with Thanksgiving weekend. And I'm going to stay home, do some editing, and look after the dogs while they're out. This seems to be an opportune moment to remind you how to support the show. I haven't spoken about it very much recently, and I want to get some reminders done. So there's a couple of ways you want to help out with the show. One of the methods, if you go to my website, www.canadianmilitaryhistorypodcast.ca, you can click on the Amazon link right before you go shopping on Amazon, and all that does is a tiny portion of your purchase goes into supporting the show, and it helps me out a lot. The other way is if you really like what you're hearing and you really want to help out because there is a cost to running the show there is a cost to keeping the website up and a cost to producing the show there's a donate button on the paypal link and any money that you provide me goes directly into operating the show and producing more episodes now just because i haven't had a chance to sit down and do some editing doesn't mean that i've been completely away from the show I have sent out some letters to do some attraction, get some more guests for you. Hopefully I can expand my arcs and get some new interesting guests for you. And I've also had the opportunity to record some episodes. So as I sit right now, I have three episodes recorded. They're just waiting for some precious editing time. And as I get through them, I will be putting them up. Some very exciting guests. All my guests are exciting and the guests that are coming up will not disappoint. So hopefully you look forward to them. Today's guest is Honorary Colonel Blake Goldring. Now, it's a little silly to say that Honorary Colonel Blake Goldring doesn't have any military experience. Perhaps when he first joined, he didn't have any military experience, but now he does have quite a bit of military experience. He is the Honorary Colonel of the Canadian Army, having been the Honorary Colonel of the Royal Regiment of Canada prior to that. One of his endeavors is Canada Company, and that was based by him and a group of like-minded colleagues who work to promote the welfare of military members and military families. If you want more information on that, please look them up online at canadacompany.ca. No spaces, 
no hyphens, no capitals, just canadacompany.ca. What I know of Honorary Colonel Goldring is that he's an instantly likable person who definitely cares about the people in the Canadian Forces, especially in the Canadian Army. And like many, many of our honorary colonels, he wants to get it right. One of the things that our honorary colonels are excellent for is seeking our advice, because when they stand up and represent their unit, they want to portray excellence, and they don't want to let any of the soldiers down. And this also, just because I say soldiers, it also includes the Royal Canadian Navy with their honorary captains and the Royal Canadian Air Force with their honorary colonels as well. They want to be reflective of the people that they support, and they certainly don't want to portray anything but excellence while they're standing in front of a group of like-minded people, whether they're business people, members of the community, politicians, whatever, and that's where their influence comes into play, where perhaps military members living and working on a base don't have those connections in the community, or perhaps they don't have those connections in the business world. They can lean on their honorary colonels and get those connections and help them out and point them in the right direction. And hopefully not only the unit benefits, but also the branch that they represent also benefits. Here's my interview with Honorary Colonel Blake Goldring. Honorary Colonel Goldring, welcome to the podcast. Very happy to be with you today, Mike. Sir, you and I first met when I was approaching the appointment of Regimental Sergeant Major at the Toronto Scottish Regiment, and you were newly appointed as the Honorary Colonel of the Royal Regiment of Canada. But we really didn't have an opportunity to work together until 2009 for the presentation of colours for both of our regiments. That was a grand event where you had the Royal Regiment of Canada and the Toronto Scottish, both being presented by our respective Colonel-in-Chief, who, of course, is Prince Charles. I do recall the day was extremely cold, <laughs> and I, I have to say the Royals were a little bit warmer than, I think, the Toronto Scottish. Absolutely. Poor old Captain Jarvis there and his knees knocking. People were taking bets on when he was going to fall over, but anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great event, though. And so meaningful for all of the members of the Toronto Scottish and the extended family, and of course for the Royals. It was also just a great event. And I can say that I so appreciated the Royal Highnesses for being there with us. And candidly, there was concern before that it might snow on that day. Right. If you remember, some of the handlers were saying, well, there's got to be a plan B. And if there's not a plan B, then we're going to move any sort of event with this presentation of colors and we'll have them cut a ribbon at some school or something. (laughs) Oh, jeez. And I remember I just happened to have been in London for some business and having an opportunity to go to Clarence House to meet with the prince. This is probably six weeks before our event. And I actually asked His Royal Highness, and I said, Sir, if it happened to snow that day, how would you feel about actually appearing on the review and partaking? And he said, Well, what would the soldiers think? And I said, Well, soldiers would want to be on the field, sir, and they'd want to get their new colors. And he said, Well, that's exactly where Camilla and I would want to be. I said, Well, thank you very much, sir. Anyhow, I came back to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> and when we were threatened again with, hey, we're going to pull this event from you because there are a lot of things that the highnesses can do, I was able to say, well, actually, I've actually spoken to the man directly, and he would be most upset if that were to happen because he's prepared to go and be there with us no matter what the weather. Of course, that day, if you recall, Mike, we had a little bit of sleet, a little bit of rain, a little bit yeah, of yeah. snow. Absolutely. <laughs> but it was a grand event. Very memorable. So getting into what are memorable, let's get into the questions. Have you had a chance to review the questions, sir? I have indeed. Excellent. So why did you choose to join the Canadian Armed Forces? And that's a unique question for someone in your position as an honorary colonel. I'm an honorary colonel, and I must say that when I was appointed honorary colonel, I had no prior military experience. In fact, I said that on my speech when I was on the parade square back in 2005. And here's the thing, is that 
I work in the world of capital markets, and I realize that for me to build my business and for us all to raise our families and people to go to school and work and do whatever they do, you need a safe, secure, sound environment. If you don't have that, then all bets are off, and we need a secure environment. Therefore, we need to support our military. So I was very open to the idea of doing something with the Canadian Forces, but many people in my position never meet any military folk. The discussion I had involvement with a friend of a friend who was with the Royals, gone to some mass dinners, really enjoyed myself and established a rapport with some of the fellows. And I was really taken aback when I was asked over a luncheon with one of my mentors and a key guy uh, in my military history, who was Brigadier General Reginald Lewis, who had been at one point head of reserves and anyhow, just a delightful man. And Absolutely. Took me to lunch and I thought he was going to hit me up for some cash <laughs> for the regiment. Next thing he asked me, he said, I'm an older man now and time is going to be coming and our officer group and our council are really looking to see about a successor and we'd like you to be it. And I said, well, you've got the wrong guy because I've never fired a weapon. I've never marched <laughs> and I don't know any of those things. And, and I'm from Bay Street. He said, well, look, we've got lots of people who shoot very well. We've got lots of people who want to march, but we don't have a lot of people from your world. I said, look, I'll, I'll go and see what, what it is that you do and get a better appreciation. And I, I took probably eight weeks of going out every Thursday night when the Royals uh, parade. And, and what was striking to me, Mike, was the fact that you have people from all walks of life who come in, take off whatever clothes they're wearing, put on the green, and rally around the Canadian flag. And In the change room, hopefully, sir. <laughs> Maybe that was part of the attraction. I don't know. <laughs> the fact that they did that really struck a chord with me. I thought, boy, if these folks are prepared to do the heavy lifting and go to Afghanistan, because every single person I know at the Toronto Scottish as well, every single soldier planned to go to Afghanistan and do their part, I thought, well, I could surely do my part if I'm asked. Indeed, that's when I said I'll definitely become an honorary colonel. What was the world like when you joined? You already touched on some of it with the conflict in Afghanistan already going on. Anything else you want to shed some light on? No, I mean, it was an environment where you had General Hillier really making some very bold statements about the opposition, the fact that the Taliban were not nice people, and what was happening over in that other part of the world were things that we, by our values, would find abhorrent. And there was a mission there, and we were being called upon by our allies to participate in a joint effort to go and frankly, put things right. And that, to my mind, was an action-filled time with a lot of discussion. And of course, the economy had been ever since 9-11 and that very confused period after that. And so the economy had recovered and was marching along really quite decently. Of course, this predates the crash which occurred in September of 08. I'd say there was a period of economic strength. However, what underlined everything was the fact that Canada was at war. Now, the next question is a little bit unique for someone in your perspective, because the next question is, what were you like when you joined? But that tends to highlight somebody who has joined, gone through some recruit basic training and experienced some life altering situations. Do you think now the question still stands? What were you like when you joined is still a valid question. But do you think you've been changed by your immersion into the Canadian Forces as an honorary colonel? Absolutely. It's actually made me a much better leader. And I say that because of the amount of training, development, and work that goes into becoming a better soldier, airman, or woman, or sailor that you have in the Canadian Forces. There is absolutely no question that I'm a better leader. And I'm a better leader because what is striking to me is that members of our Canadian Forces are finely trained 
professionals who go through a huge amount of work and training and development, which candidly in the civilian world, you rarely see. Some organizations are good at parts of it, but I would say that every single day, there are folks in the Canadian Forces who are just training and developing and learning. This is at all ranks. I mean, this is right through raw recruits, right through to the most senior leadership. And that, to my mind, rubs off. And if you think of Sung Tzu, the art of war, how that has been adopted in the business curriculum at the universities. That's right. The fact that there is a great connection between what happens in strategy of warfare and in the business world. And so I would say that I've gained such a much deeper appreciation from a leadership perspective. And secondly, I would think too, just a much greater understanding of all our contributions of our military members and and how they have really provided such heavy lifting over the years to allow the rest of Canada sort of to develop and, and grow and cement in my mind the need that there always has to be this link between the city world and the military one because both depend on each other. Certainly. Sir, let's move on to the next question. What's your most memorable experience in the Canadian Armed Forces or your greatest achievement? Without any question, I would think that my exposure to the forces led to the identification of the needs of the men and women and their families, our members of the forces and their families need recognition, support, and that is where we created an organization called Canada Company back in 2006. For me, it's a great achievement because we've been able to meaningfully do some good for the families of our military members. And one program that we have is the scholarship program, which we just had last week, where there were nine scholarships given to the children of our fallen. And basically, we give them $4,000 cash, plus we organize their university or college's free tuition. Wow. So it's not so much the financial side, which is it's helpful for these kids because they say, look, they may not have been able to go on to advanced education if it had been for the help, but what's more important is that they created a peer group amongst the children of the fallen, as well as the remaining spouses, and they all come to Toronto, they get the award, and you would think that this is a very upsetting or a very sorrowful sort of gathering, but in fact, it's just the opposite, paradoxically. It's a very uplifting ceremony because we have young people who've had a terrible sense of loss, but they have a future, they've got a plan, and they're executing it. They know that there's the members of the civilian community that are behind them solidly and are going to see them succeed. We'll take Take away the financial cost for them, but it's more the fact that, that we are there for them. It's really family looking after family and Canadian looking after Canadian. Absolutely, sir. And that is a great achievement, and I believe you were recognized in some way for that achievement. Well, for setting up Canada Company, I was hugely honored with the Meritorious Service Medal Military, which is a rarity for a civilian to receive that. So it's an enormous honor and one that I feel extremely proud about, but also recognize that these sorts of honors are never sort of a person coming up with an idea or doing something. It's really a group, and there's a huge number of solid folks, coast-to-coast, members of the directors of Canada Company and our 550 members that we have who are thinking about many ways to serve, how they can assist our military in many different ways. Sir, we did mention that you were the Honorary Colonel of the Royal Regiment of Canada, but we haven't spoken about your current appointment. Do you want to shed some light on that? So as I was timing out nearing that time, I was approached to consider taking the role as the first ever honorary colonel for the Canadian Army. And it was a great discussion and, again, an enormous honor. And a feeling that amongst the most senior leadership in the Canadian Forces that, that there had to be this connection, just as there are honorary captains in the Royal Canadian Navy, that Royal Canadian Air Force has an honorary colonel. But the Army 
would have regimental families that would have their honorary colonels, mainly in the reserves or colonel chiefs for the Wake Forest units. And a view that there had to be a connection to assist on non-military matters in the same way that an honorary colonel would do with a regiment to interface with the army commander to help provide some leverage where he couldn't perhaps speak at an event or if he was going to address some civilian group, what sort of topics would be of great interest. Basically to be that bridge when we visit troops in the field to share what the civilian world is really thinking about the great efforts of our soldiers uh, as they're going through exercises. There have been a number of different areas where we've been able to, I think, effect change. It represented a, a real evolution, which in truth was a bit of a shock to some people at the start because Army hadn't done this and Army tends to be a little more traditional. But the fact is our leadership might give them top marks because not me, there will be somebody else in this position at some point, And it's something that's totally needed in my view. Absolutely. So now if you're the honorary colonel of the Canadian Army, does that make you the CEO of the honorary colonels in the Army? It does not, because each unit has got its own honorary colonel or honorary lieutenant colonel. And my role is really to be the individual who deals directly with the Army commander on various issues that are of importance, non-military issues that are of interest and importance to him. Excellent. I just wanted to make sure that myth got put out there and cleared up in case anybody was thinking that. No, that's great. Because I think one of your questions here is, and I don't know if this is one you're going to come to, what was the greatest challenge you had to overcome? And I'd say this is a persistent challenge, and it's one which I put out there to your listeners, and that is any institution has to change, and any institution grow and move with the times. And candidly, and what I found coming in from the outside, even in the Royals or later in my role, there would be still some folks who would say, well, what can people from the outside offer us? Do they bring anything? They're more of a disruption as opposed to or a hindrance to getting on with the actual job at hand. And I would only say, and, and I'm happy to say this is a real minority, but times change. And the value of making sure there's a really active, good dialogue, particularly at a time when we're not engaged in an active external missions, this is important that we keep a really tight relationship between our civilians and our military to make sure that there is the proper recognition, support, and care that our military members and their families deserve. We can provide that. Absolutely. Sir, moving on, who is the greatest influencer? Who is the most memorable character that you've encountered during your service? I've been really incredibly blessed. I mean, starting with uh, that infamous luncheon with General Lewis, then getting a chance to meet Lieutenant General Andy and then work directly with General Peter, commander of our army. Fantastic fellow. And then now with uh, Marky Haynes, who is a very unique but a very effective style of leadership. And to witness this up front, I think those are things I find truly inspiring. Thinking back, probably a key motivator to get me involved was Rick Hillier. He'd be a fellow high up on my list of somebody who really motivated me to sort of say, uh, yeah, I'll sign up. Walt Matinchak, I think, brought terrific strengths at a time of real transition as we were gearing up to leave. And I can say that Tom Lawson was the first individual who really gave support when he was at Four Wing and when he was in Trenton gave support to Canada Company, and we were a small little fledgling group in 2006, and he saw the value and provided support as we went down to Trenton to visit three CEOs, and he said, there's something here. Lo and behold, not quite a decade later, but close to, our organization is really growing, and of course, he's moved on to some very important duties, and I just find him an extraordinary individual too. Absolutely. Well, I've been very lucky to be able to interview General Leslie as well as General Haynes on this show. So it's excellent that you find them as influences as well.
Well, they come back to just how well-rounded and how smart and strategic and the discipline and the differences in management and just how people approach uh, matters. And I think we're really blessed and people don't, outside the key forces, may not. I can see firsthand and I just feel so lucky to be in my position to be able to have uh, great interactions with, I think, tremendous Canadians. Absolutely, sir. So we've come to the final question, but you've already touched on it a little bit. Was that your answer to... What is the greatest challenge you've had to overcome, or was there something more you wanted to talk about? I would just simply say that in all of us, in my own business, always looking at how has the world changed around me, and should I change my tactics in order to address whatever's around, and we all have to evolve, institutions have to evolve, and they do. That's the one word I would say is that team forces have done just outstanding work. In particular, here we are in the uh, year of the centenary of the first war, and thinking of the incredible sacrifices and, and how that led to our nationhood, really, as we left that terrible, terrible conflict. And just for me, I just think that we're blessed as a country, and we're blessed to have the uh, Canadian forces the way they are. And I can say that as somebody who is from the outside, but has had the ability to come inside the tent and work directly with people of all ranks. Well, sir, we've come to the end of the four questions. Is there something you'd like to say just to summarize your experiences so far? Well, so far, I can only say it's been a great journey and it's not over. I fully intend to do my utmost to fulfill my position. It's just filled with such great honor that I'm able to provide and help and assist whatever way I can our great Canadian forces. I mean, it's just a great honor to have this position. Absolutely, sir. Is there anything upcoming or anything new on the horizon? Well, Canada Company right now has a major initiative, and that is the Military Employment Transition Program. Some of your listeners may have heard about that, and that is where we're Canada Company is working closely with D&D, in fact, and anyone leaving the forces will come in to our website where we have right today 140 pro-Canadian forces employers who are ready and very keen to receive resumes and start placing our members of the forces as they make a transition to the civilian world. This is all built on the 100,000 job initiative in the United States that was started. We have a more modest goal of the 10,000 job initiative, but I can tell you that it's really taking off. We've had seminars working very closely with all corporations from across Canada, and you'll hear a lot more about this from D&D and from VAC, but we need to be the one-stop shop, if you will, for those who are seeking employment outside of the forces at the appropriate time when people decide that it's time to look at something else. That's fantastic, sir. Thank you very much. Sir, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to be a guest on the show. It's always great to speak to someone that's not your typical soldier, put a little bit of variety in. But something you did say that I did key on was you referred to yourself as an outsider a couple of times, and I want to let you know that I truly believe that you no longer qualify as an outsider. You're one of us. So anyhow, thanks again for being a guest on the show. Thanks so much, Mike. And I can just say I'm proud to be on the inside. That warrior spirit burns in us all, doesn't it? Absolutely. Thanks so much. You bet. Thank you for listening to the Canadian Military History Podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy the podcast, please leave some feedback on iTunes. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please send me an email at cmhp at gmail.com. Please let me know if you'd like me to read your comments on the air. While you're waiting for our next episode, please visit the website at www.CanadianMilitaryHistoryPodcast.ca or the CMHP Facebook page. If you'd like to support the podcast by making a donation, please click the PayPal link on the webpage. 
The next time you're considering buying something from Amazon.ca, please visit the Canadian Military History Podcast website and click on my Amazon link. A small portion of your purchase goes directly towards the support and maintenance of the podcast. However, your great price from Amazon doesn't change. All donations will go directly into the production of the podcast. All music is used with the express permission of the commanding officer. NTAG music is provided by the Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry. Views and opinions are those of the guests of the Canadian Military History Podcast and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Mike LaCroix Productions, the Government of Canada, or the Department of National Defence. This is a Mike LaCroix Production.